bringing the fire right there. How could you not be feeling some Kendrick on this beautiful day out here in Orange County, California? What's up, fam? This is Sina Azari, your boy, CEO of Credited out there on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, just a, a beautiful day with the People's Advisor, Matt Franchino. Hello, hello. What's going on, everybody? Hey, what's going on with you, man? I saw you doing some meditation moves a couple minutes ago. How you feeling? Hey, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good, actually. I'm in tune. I'm ready to go. Got some questions flowing. I think it's going to be a good Saturday. It's our first uh, Saturday podcast we've done. Hey, man, you know what? The, the grind don't stop, and every day for an entrepreneur is a weekend if they choose to make it one, so... Hey man, you know, um, we are excited to introduce and uh, bring to you guys the fire of our guest who's in the studio. This man has a extensive resume of experience um, for anyone amongst his age. And when you get a chance to connect and speak to him and learn more about him, you'd be shocked to, to know he is as young as he is, but as advanced uh, intellectually and tuned in with just where he's directing um, his future and in the zone. So our man, before he even says a hello, I got to run down the list. He is a American Ninja Warrior, accomplished real ninja warrior. We got a warrior in the studio, a professional photographer, graduate from John Hopkins University, played men's lacrosse, played football, founder of Mind Body Builder, I mean, this guy, the list goes on and on and on. Neuroscience, Mr. TJ Reeves, how you been, man? Thank you so much for spending the day with us today. Uh, thank you. I mean, this is, um, first off, I'm honored that this is the first uh, Saturday podcast that you guys have made and you've invited me out, you know, out of, out of the work week to come down. But also, just in general, this is the first podcast I've been invited onto. And so wow. I'm, I'm honored. This is legitimately something that I've, I've always envisioned and dreamed of. I've always wanted to start appearing so on podcast cool. and so like this is thank you like really thank you That's well awesome. uh tj uh thank you so much and and of course i know you are extremely busy man out there so many um are, are a fan of yours following you and um we're fortunate to see you and know you live because you just got people across the globe that wish they could be three feet away from you where can they find you on instagram tj um they can find me at tj reeves mind body builder so it's like bodybuilder but mind bodybuilder so man well i'll tell you this guy is a bodybuilder and too bad i can't dig deep into his mind but if his mind is as dedicated as it is his physical being um it's you you I don't even know how to explain that. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm you're getting a little red. Words. You're getting a little red here. Hey, man, little... just, just keep it real, you know. Hey, I'm, I'm a man of confidence. All right, so. Uh... Well, thank you. I'm pretty excited because, you know, it's always interesting to me to talk to someone who's like behind the lens, like part of the the creator of what you see for someone in front of the camera, right? Like a director or cinematographer or. I think when we were talking last night, you put it best, TJ, you were talking and relating what you feel you do similar to the art and the connection that used to come from, you know, prestigious families of some type having amazing artists create these works of art for them, right? And then that funded their ability to go do just wild, crazy art or whatever was on their mind. And you're, it's like a modern day version of that is what you sort of described. So to, in your own words, why don't you break down like, kind of what's going on right now in your life and what you're doing. And there's so much change, it seems like, in a short period of time. Yeah, a very short period of time. Um, literally four months ago, I was working at a lab uh, over at Hopkins. And now 
I'm working with Tyler Harris um, and No Hook Media. Uh, every single day, I document his life and I create a picture, a, a portrait of his ideas, of the people he meets, of everything he does. Make sure that it's captured historically, a, and then also that it can inspire people as a real form of art. Um, I think that true art. Uh, is meant to inspire the greater in people and wake them up. We all mm-hmm. get stuck and focused on certain things. And so I, I make sure that every single episode of the vlog that we create is something that people go, wow, like this isn't just entertainment. It's like, wait, I, I want to I go do that. And like, I want to awaken to a better life. So Well said, man. You're definitely uh, inspiring. I'm a fan. I've seen a lot of your material. And shout out to uh, Tyler Harris uh, for all the work that you guys have done together. But, you know, going back before the last four months, though, it is a whirlwind. Uh, take me back to, you know, where, where, where were you born? Where, where were you born and raised? Uh, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. Born and raised in Miami, Florida. Yes. And then you uproot from Miami. And uh, from, from what I understand, you end up in California, right? I mean, how do you come? How would you... So, yeah, so um, what happened was that I, I grew up in Florida. Um, and after that, I was able to focus enough to live my dream, which was to go join Johns Hopkins and make it walk on to the uh, lacrosse team that they had there. Now, Florida, okay, mind you, is not a big lacrosse state. Anything outside of the Northeast, that's not very big in lacrosse. So that was my main focus, to go get onto that team, made it. And so when I was living in Hopkins, I was in Baltimore. Um, And after I was done with college, I moved out to California because I had made a promise to myself when I was about 13 years old that I would live in Los Angeles when I was 23 years old. And so I just went and did that. And uh, from there, I went back to Baltimore and from Baltimore back to Greenville, South Carolina, where I work with Tyler. When you went to California, yeah, your goal was to be an inspired uh, actor. I mean, you <laughs> no. model. <laughs> Um, no. Um, was that ever an inspiration? No, comedian, right? <laughs> that's, that's right. I mean, we had to mention that. Um, no, actually, for, for me, Los Angeles represented a time, first off, it was like diametrically, like literally physically the furthest part from where my parents lived possible. Um, and it re- represented a place where I would be able to create something on my own and live on my own. Uh, I made a photography business, and um, what I realized then was I was able to make my photography, and after only having to charge people about like 500 to a thousand dollars per photo session I would have to work maybe like three four sessions to like pay off all my living and then be able to go do whatever else that I wanted and what was that what was whatever else you wanted um well at first it was the typical stuff that you would expect out of a 22 year old living in Los Angeles with plenty of money to blow um but after that that quickly ran itself out and that's when I got very very deep into uh, Zen and meditation and comparative religion and um, going towards my deeper life purpose so like you can imagine that I was hanging out in Los Angeles I was uh, I would do my photography sessions you know get that out of the way and then I would meditate every single morning for a couple of hours then I would go study a little bit more and then go work out and then go discuss things discuss philosophy in different groups and stuff like that and then go to sleep every single day wow <laughs> so now what kind of a student were you um i was actually i was a i was a 
I was a pretty good student. I mean, uh, for a couple of uh, semesters back in college, I actually uh, was able to make the dean's list, and so I was able to get like a 3.8, 3.9, 3.0, even a 4.0 at some point. And Hopkins is incredibly difficult. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> Hopkins, any, any college <laughs> university is going to be difficult 4.0. Wow. Um, Congratulations. But, uh, what were you studying? I was, uh, I was studying uh, behavioral biology, which is a mix between psychology and neuroscience. I would have been a philosophy major. However, I thought that academic philosophy was a complete farce compared to like real philosophy, the deep stuff. Because, you know, real philosophy, here's the difference, okay? A lot of people think philosophy is like, let me sit around and like do nothing, okay? Real good philosophy looks a lot like self-help. That's what, like, if you would have gone to like, you know, the ancient Greeks and stuff like that, they would be similar more to like a Tony Robbins than mm-hmm. just wow. some average slob. So I realized that the philosophy was a bit of a joke. And so I decided to instead go all in on behavioral biology, which when you learn psychology and you learn neuroscience, you basically get a manual for the human mind. And once I understood that manual, that user's guide, I was then able to be like, oh, now I can go do whatever I want because I understand the secrets for myself. I understand the secrets for talking to other people. I understand how to use myself. Right. So um, I would I would go and study and uh, do as well as I could in my classes. I would always uh, sit in the very front of my classes. I was that guy that like would ask questions and you'd be like, why, why, does, why does he have to ask another question, you know, make the class go a little bit longer, but there would be good questions. And as soon as I was done with that, if I wasn't in sports, if I wasn't with my girlfriend, if I wasn't um, maybe talking to some of my friends from the different fraternities and teams, I would be in the library reading whatever I could get my hands on. Science, religion, uh, history, psychology, self-help, all different sorts of things. So what was I like as a student? I was very focused, but just enough to get my grades, and then I would just go off and do my own thing. Um, Yeah. So that's uh, that's so far off from photography. I mean, you're 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 spending time. I'm assuming it was a passion of yours, or still is a passion. Clearly, based on um, everything you've shared with us for the time we've known you, you're learning all this uh, science material, all the labs, the one-unit labs that you're spending three hours a week in minimum running all these different tests, results, then, you know, just the, the homework behind it, getting these great grades, and playing sports, lacrosse, football, you graduate, and then you're like, you know what, I'm building a photography business. Yeah, so I'll tell you, I'll tell you how the photography originally started. It honestly started, that was a very different version of me back then. It honestly started out of pure narcissism. And uh, I just wanted to get better photos of myself, to be honest. So I bought myself a DSLR. Um, at the time, I'd, you know, I had my own issues. And I was doing really well in all these different areas. Um, but I don't know if you ever listen to Tony Robbins, but he says that like success without fulfillment is the ultimate form of failure. I'd gone to a point where I was like, okay, like, comparatively for people at my age I was doing as well as a person could possibly do like I was on the team I wanted I was dating the hottest person at the school she was a genius I mean she literally creates robotic arms like literally creates robotic arms Um, I was doing well in my classes I was I had a bunch of friends I could go to whatever party I wanted to go to and I was absolutely miserable and depressed and just hated everything but what Instagram had represented for me was another form to like 
help expand me into like, hey, like life is actually beautiful and pretty nice. So I started using Instagram as a way to get myself out there again. And like when I was trying to rebuild my whole life, I would just, for example, say, okay, I, I just have to take a photo every single day. Like go out there, get a really, really nice photo for myself. Like I basically hate everything in the whole world, but just do that. Photo of yourself or for yourself? First, it was a photo of myself. And if you go way, way, way back to my Instagram, you'll just see photos of myself at different events. And, That's cool. Um, but then I started turning my camera to other people and other things because I noticed I was like, as my mood improved, I was like, wait a minute, the world's a little bit more beautiful. So you were like looking for the ultimate selfie, basically, right? You got a DSL- <laughs> uh, DSLR? Um, yeah, yeah, right? exactly. And like, so more than an iPhone could take or those kind of things, you got yeah. like a professional camera first and then flipped it around. Yeah, exactly. And I started flipping it around. And then uh, the next thing that had happened was uh, I have this philosophy that says that basically we live in this world filled with what I call dominance hierarchies. You're basically just imagine little games, okay? So improving your mind is a game improving your body is a game improving your relationships is a game improving your business is a game okay but then there's a game on top of all that and that's being able to dominate just the whole set of them and so what i determined was you can learn how to just just learning how to learn itself so improving my photography skills was just another endeavor another practice in learning how to learn itself at that same time that I'd done a, a challenge, I literally videographed it, a challenge of learning how to uh, take photos within 30 days every single day, a new style of photo, a new core technique, a new basic foundation for the photo, the lines, contrast, black and white, with circles, with objects, and things like that. I also learned how to play a ukulele in a month. I learned how to sing in a month. I learned how to play the piano in a month. Um, all of these different things. Learn how to shoot a basketball in a month. Like, just each one of those. No, so. wait. When you say you learn how to play the piano, how, at what depth, right? I mean, like, yeah, learn, just, like, uh, Mary Had a Little Lamb? Or are we talking, like, no, Beethoven? No, Mary Had a Lot of Lambs, bro. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, I, I mean, seriously, though, you know, the, the scale of, like, yeah, say, like, okay, Beethoven not, to... So, I, I wanted to... So, enough that you could play a lot of good songs, okay. right? Enough that you could just do well. Like, so, you know, you're the guy at the piano bar who, like, you could just step up there and start playing some songs like, yeah, that, like exactly, that? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And, like, cool. the secret is that there's, there's like four chords that if you know these four chords you can play most pop songs because most pop songs just exist within those four chords so just one of those and then you can do whatever you want same thing for the ukulele that's what I learned that so clearly you're, you're very competitive and you compete with yourself you're an overachiever how, <laughs> how does how does American Ninja Warrior come across your path um, and you're like you know what I'm just gonna climb Mount Hiroshima tomorrow <laughs> so uh it's really funny, actually. I so I participate in all these things, but uh, I actually don't really care about most goals. Um, I like I just enjoy doing the things that I do. Um, the way American Ninja Warrior came about was, af- I was influenced by one of the Zen masters that I studied under. This guy Peter Ralston. And Peter's a boss. Okay, have you ever heard of Bloodsport with uh, Van Damme? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Man. he won Bloodsport. Wow. No, but the real Bloodsport, like right. the actual one. Wow. Right? And he did that after he was, like, my age. Uh, we have very, very similar backgrounds. Um, have you met this guy? Yeah. No, this him. was his mentor. Like, he was my, oh, like, oh I, so, so you were saying that he actually was your Zen master. Like, yeah, yeah, literally. He, Zen master. He, like, trained under him, right? Yeah, I got like, you. trained wow. under him, yeah. Wow. Um, cost a lot of money, but it's still like, worth it. So he, you know, he basically became enlightened. It's so, like, 
yeah, like it was really that simple. He like realized he was like, oh, like this is the absolute nature of truth, right? Capital T truth. And he was like, this is great. No one's gonna listen to me. And so one thing that he was able to do was that after uh, like essentially attain. I say attain enlightenment, but enlightenment is not that type of thing where you attain it. It doesn't really work that way. But let's just for now say attained enlightenment, right? He was then able to uh, change his experience of pain itself. And because he was able to change his experience of pain, he was able to dominate in mar- in martial arts. And so he entered blood sport to win blood sport with the sole purpose of having it so that people pay attention. Because that's what we do as humans. We pay attention to those who have achieved. So I trained under him. I'd understood everything he was saying. And then I was like, how can I? Oh, people will pay attention to American Ninja Warrior. So that's something that I can do. And that's, you know, I live here in Los Angeles. And, you know, there were enough signs pointing to the fact that, hey, this is something you do. My roommate, for example, wanted to enter it. But then he had ended up hurting his shoulder. But he met some guys who were former American Ninja Warriors and participated four different times. And they, they told me that they would coach me all of this. And for me, it was like, if I don't do this, I'm clearly ignoring the universe and I'm just being a fool. So I knew that by entering American Ninja Warrior, that would give me enough of a name that people would actually pay attention to what it is that I have to say about the mind, about spirituality, about enlightenment, about all of these different topics. Because it's like, oh my God, like American Ninja Warrior, you know, for me, it's it's pretty funny, actually. I don't even... <laughs> right, like Cena likes you a little bit more because you were on American Ninja yeah, Warrior, <laughs> or paid attention to you in the beginning more. Yeah, exactly. And then now has the opportunity at least three times a day to say he's friends with an American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm so, great friends with another soon to be American Ninja Warrior. So it's an honor <laughs> to meet you, and I can't wait yeah. to link you guys together, man. Um, you you kind of brought up goals. You say you mm-hmm. don't enjoy them or you don't like them, whatever. I was going to ask you, what is your thought on goals and what are some of them? But really. I'm interested because of your background and yeah. understanding like your thought behind long-term and short-term goals or yeah. which one makes more sense. And you, know, you hear a lot of these ideas. Yeah, I get, yeah, so okay. So there's there were several parts to your question. So first off, let me be very clear. I'm not like against goals. <laughs> goals are absolutely necessary. And um, the listlessness and nihilism that comes with like not setting goals, that's a form of depression. Like have goals it's necessary to have goals um now what i submit is that the purpose of the goal right is to set up a process like to like to link you towards some type of like north star you know it's like a compass so now you know where to take your actions us as humans we experience happiness in the form of taking steps towards that goal so no goal no happiness that's why i said like no goals you're depressed right okay so you need goals okay but i'm saying let go of that idea that belief that ideology that there will be anything whatsoever in this world whatsoever that makes it such that once you attain it all of a sudden you're happy that's that right there is the joke that right there causes all of like the entirety of human suffering like that's it so um so how do how do i see goals and stuff okay I have my North Star. I want to be the Elon Musk of enlightenment, the Elon Musk of spirituality, the Elon Musk of like changing it so that people approach meditation in a much simpler way, right? That's my North Star. And then as I'm going through my day, I'm enjoying my processes because I know that they are taking me towards that. But the important thing, it's not going to be that one day when Elon Musk shakes my hand, right, that that's going to be, now my life is complete. No, 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 no. 
it's enjoying every single step in that way. And so I take that broad thing and I break that down. So goals, should I have long-term goals or short-term goals? You should have the following. You should have a super, super, super long-term goal, something that can take your entire, should take your entire life. You should not be done with it until you're at least 80, okay, or 90, or no, just it's just not gonna happen, basically, okay? And you should dare, dare to challenge existence itself and the necessity of all this suffering by going after that goal. It's a very unreasonable thing to have this goal considering how like, you know, once everybody dies, it's like you don't you don't remember any of this stuff, but it's like, despite that, you go for that damn thing, okay? And it's gonna be painful, but it's good to have that. Then you have a more short-term version of that. So maybe in like 20 or 25 years, okay? So like now that's becoming more clear, then you have like a 10-year version of that, a five-year version of that, a one-year version of that and a three-month version of that, a one-month, two-week, you know, et cetera, a one-day, okay? Now, three months is actually very important. So for now, I'm going to just say have your one-day goal, your three-month goal, your one-year goal, and then that, that end goal later. Three months is important because us as humans, we have this, uh, we have this system that will change things around, okay, no matter what circumstances we've been put in. It's really good because that means that, uh, even if I were to go so far as to chop your hand off, within three months, you would change your entire life such that like you just get used to having an arm chopped off. I, I would grow one back, and, <laughs> no. if, and if I couldn't, I'd call your ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, but yeah, you just get used to it. It's just now your problems and your happiness are based off of like the fact that you lost a hand. But you, right. you, if I actually asked you, you'd be just as happy technically after three months. So within, but the way it works is that it changes the goal. So you want to be able to focus on that project, get it done within those three months so that you actually nail it down, okay? And that it has something to do with your overall goal. And so I just have my North Star. I set up these three-month projects. I do these three-month projects in my mind, in my body, in my relationships, in my business, each one of them. And you can do them all at the same time. You should be doing them all at your same time. That should be a full day. Um, and then you go after that. And so everything serves that. So you, so I know what I'm doing each day. I know what I'm doing over the course of a couple months. I know what I'm doing over a couple of years. And I break it down. So you take this lofty thing, break it down into smaller things. I, I couldn't be more happy and excited at the same time that you broke all this stuff down because a couple of reasons. One, you are way smarter and understand <laughs> and he's the, 24, the brain. 24 right. years old. No, but, but, permission to let people know. 24 years old yeah. schooling people right So here. just from an edu educational and understanding like standpoint, <laughs> you know way more about it than I do. <laughs> but everything you just said are things I've been doing and saying for Wonderful. quite some time now. Wonderful. With 2037 mindset. I talk about it all the time, right? 20-year goal out, chipping away at it, this whole goal, mentality changing. And um, it's really just been a lot of people who I've followed – there are different ideas sort of compiled into one way of molding them all together, like a like a remix of like a bunch of people that I've brought together. This is like in my mind, but everything you said supports it, which is awesome because awesome. you said that you understand and want to be like the Elon Musk of knowing how the brain map works. And you just told me like what I'm trying to do is like the map is a way. Right. So that's pretty exciting. Like <laughs> just in general, I think anyone hearing it who's never heard that, it, it's so I, yeah. I, I got I got a couple questions for yeah. you based on your your response right there. One is, um, are you ever present? Are you ever in the moment if you're always focused on what you're doing tomorrow, what you're doing 90 days, what you're doing 10, 20 years? Do you, uh, it sounds like you're always running in your mind then. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> no. You're never uh, present, are Oh, you? no, no. I'm, I'm very present. You are present. I'm hyper-present. Okay. I'm, I'm like, 
I mean, if I start saying, like, I'm frozen all the time, I'm going to sound like some, like, super egotistical prick, you know? Sure. But uh, am I allowed to curse? I don't know. You, hey, man, this, this, these, you. Are, these are your yeah. fans that are going to hear this, so. <laughs> if I'm, like. <laughs> you just did. Did you? <laughs> yeah. Um, am I present? Yes. I, like, when I'm talking to you, and yeah. when I'm talking to you, I'm very present. You know, you know what's the quickest way to know whether you're present or not? Yes. Can you tell time? That's it. Like. I have no clue, and I have my camera right, right here right. listing out how long this interview yes, has been. But you don't know. I have no clue. That's cool. Well, we've all, we're only three minutes in, so things are going well. Okay. No, nothing to worry about. Here, here's my next question: Is um, who holds you accountable? Because who holds you are, me you're constantly having all these accomplishments that you seems like you're tackling them. I haven't heard one yet that that you might have failed in. Oh, and let, if me, you have, let me be, you have yeah, let me be very clear. I failed hard and I'm, I failed incredibly hard, incredibly hard at so many different endeavors in my life. It's ridiculous. Who, who holds you, who holds you accountable? So who holds me accountable? This is a very important question. I think about this every single day. So I have a system of people that I pay attention to. First off, first off, when I'm doing anything, I research it to a crazy degree. Like I dump in, I mentioned to you guys this 20 hour rule. Like I dump in at least this 20 hours to get to like at least a 95th percentile of understanding on that subject before I even like start to like talk about, like I don't even like mention it to other people. Okay, then so that I have the research that like what's, the, what's going on with the science, what's going on with the psychology, the history of the thing, okay? Then I operate by looking at the systems, like what system does it operate in? Any one of my behaviors, any one of my plans. Then I have people that I trust and love that I know will ring, will ring me if it's a bad idea. Like I will run it by, for example, like Tyler is someone who helps me like nail it down into the dirt so it's no longer in the clouds. It's no longer some theoretical idea. I have my friend Mike Bledsoe. He is a, he's also a cognitive neuroscientist at Hopkins, but he was able to change his, his, his story is crazy. But he was able to change his life so that he went from being 23 years old, working as a sleep scientist, to now he owns a gems business worth somewhere upwards of $60 million at 23. Gems like rubies and emeralds, 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 emeralds and like uh, these diamonds. It's a weird, weird, crazy story. But anyways, I talked to him and I hashed things out with him. Then I discussed it with other people and I like throw out the different ideas and I see how they ping off of people. I see what's available, where people are at, like how is the technology being received, what's going on in the media. I look at all of these different things before I'm like making the decision for the next one. So it's so who holds me accountable? Um, first off, the research, then I have my friends, but most importantly, most importantly, I'm not gonna say it myself, no, no, no. It's my highest self. That's the one that I really, 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 really have to hold myself accountable to. If I do not, do things that are in accordance with my highest self, okay, I will be screwed and I I suffer miserably. Very, very painful. Break down this higher self. This is like your highest opinion or version of yourself that you've, you've created, right? Like all of your goals have come to fruition. That would be yeah. you, like the perfect idea, right, of right? you? It seems, it seems like that, but it's like, now, now mind you, okay, when I was when I was like back in college, I was, I was a serious skeptic. My girlfriend, one of the girlfriends I had at the time, was actually president of like the Hopkins atheists or something like that. I'm no longer a, no longer an atheist, but I was a super skeptical guy. Okay, the way my higher self seems to work. When I was younger, it was like, 
you know, I mentioned how I went to Hopkins and one of my dreams was to go be a lacrosse player, right? So when I was like, you know, 12, that's when I deter- I told my parents, I'm going to go to Hopkins to do that because that's what I believed in. I was like, that version of TJ, I need to do everything that aligns with that version of TJ. Then when I was like 18, it was like, I need to do the things that will get me to become the surgeon that I want to become, right? As I got older, that version of me got older as well. So by the time I was like, 21 I was thinking about what would what would I do if I was 40 years old right like that like how would I act what would I what would I say to people like what would I hold myself accountable to just a couple months like just a little bit later it would be what would I do if I was a hundred years old and I was on my deathbed and I've like seen everything through the past century how would I act what would be important to me these days I really really every morning talk to myself and ask if I was about 2,000 years old and I was on my deathbed and I was getting advice for someone giving advice to someone who was 24 years old um, what would what would that advice be and there's a there's a there's a real answer to that I mean this goes into the very weird stuff it's the young would call it the collective conscious you know some people call it like meditation prayer some people discuss it like this you know prayer as in like talking to God you know other people would just say oh it's just that's just a projection of yourself I don't know it's some weird weird thing but I talked to that and I asked that every single morning like what am I supposed to be doing and let me tell you if I don't listen the pain and misery that comes as a result of that is terrible so I just make sure to. so you've you've experienced that, that you've not listened you've experienced that pain oh yeah 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 I mean I I not listened um, for example, back when I was in college, and that led me to, you know, becoming suicidally depressed, wow. getting to a point where I was like, not just like, oh, like let me, like let me think about like ending things, but like literally sitting there with, uh, with, oxy, with uh, oxycontin, um, with like sixty pills of oxycontin, just thinking like, okay, I'm gonna end it, and then it was that last little like, you know, he kind of like saved me. And was like, okay, no. Now that you, now that you, you're done playing around games. Like, are you gonna listen up? Um, I was like, okay, fine. And he was like, okay. Would you rather cure yourself now, or would you rather understand enlightenment? Okay, or like experience enlightenment, see the best that life has to offer, and then if you still don't like it, then you can like go ahead and kill yourself. I was like, okay, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take that deal. And so now I just, I really, really take that very seriously. And I look at my life, I look at the body I've been given, the mind I've been given, the parents I've been given. I was blessed to have, you know, great, great, great parents. They had their issues fighting with each other, um, but they were still fantastic parents. Um, I was blessed to go to a private school, end up going to Hopkins, all of this other stuff. And basically what I realized the trade-off is, is that I must listen to my higher self for all the things that I've been given in my life. And um, in exchange, A... Okay, if I don't listen, I'm gonna be screwed over. But also, B, if I do listen, like I have the chance to actually make something in this world and take full, like literal full responsibility for this. Not just myself, but the entire world, the entire universe as I see it. Like I literally think that if I focus and if I do what I think is appropriate, I will make important changes. So, so talking about making changes, um, you you've an evolution of experiences under your belt for such a young man. <laughs> what what do you see for TJ in three to five years? Are you behind the lens, no. mass documenting? <laughs> what is TJ doing? All right, three to five years. So um, first off, like you know, as Gary Vee says, you know, close your eyes till you're 29. Um, here's here's uh, the specific plan that I have. So 
I'm working with Tyler. Things are amazing. I get to understand from Tyler his mindset. I get to work with the CEOs and understand how a CEO runs an amazing company. Um, after that, I might, might you leverage that to see with other people who are also killing it in their businesses if they'd like something similar. So we're talking about like a guy like Dwayne The Rock Johnson who was talking to Gary Vaynerchuk. You know, who, wouldn't you like to see a, a the Rock vlog. That would be pretty great to see. Mm-hmm. Or another guy is Aubrey Marcus for On It, um, On It Industries. Mm-hmm. He he would be a great person to vlog for for a little bit. That's a. What about Elon Musk? Would you vlog? Elon Musk, I would, yeah, that would be amazing to. But but that's not my end goal, right? That's just to learn because by the time you by the time you finish your year twenty five, that's like you're you're not going to learn nearly as fast anymore in life. You can learn, but it's just not going to be nearly as fast. So I've got, I'm like, let me acquire all of it before I shoot off. Now, is that yeah. a hard rule, or some people it fluctuates? It, it's or, I mean, not. It's not a hard rule, and it's definitely mediated by exercise. Physical exercise is the number one way to keep up brain development and neuroplasticity. So, keep exercising, people, and, and meditating. Exercising, reading, and meditating, and writing. Very, very important. People stop doing it, and it's ridiculous to me. And writing, you mean literally pen to paper writing? Um, I mean painting, or just there's like typing stuff out matter. Typing is is useful. Here's the most important aspect: you want to be as clear and precise with your words as possible, and then you want to look at your words and then uh, separate the wheat from the chaff, and then look at your ideas again and separate out the best ideas of that, and look at it again and separate out the best ideas of that. I don't care what you use. I don't care if you use a pen and paper. I don't care if you use a, a a keyboard I just care that you make it as clear and precise as possible and that you separate the weight from the chaff so okay so anyway so now I'm 25 years old I've perhaps like this is a possibility I've put it a 50% chance 50% likelihood for now I will for at least a year work with Tyler um, originally it was gonna be a six-month uh, six-month deal but then yeah. you, you did a good job he's like we needed you for at least a year yeah I'm gonna I'm <laughs> staying for at least a year from there, I will. I do like. There is no chance. There's no. Op- there's no other option for me. I will be an entrepreneur. I will be running my own company. Now, what do I want to do? I want to take the technologies. For example, you guys just got to experience one of them, which is the CES machine. Yes, right? CES stands yeah. for. The CES. I actually can't remember. Okay. That, honestly. Okay. Um, not at the moment. But the CES machine is a wonderful uh, electric uh, electric device that stimulates your brain and uh, lets you select what brainwave you'd like to operate out of okay so i'd like to make that something more available to the public okay right now that costs 560 dollars i want to release for 56 dollars that's cool i think that if it's released for 56 dollars i think it would be i want it so that the product is like you're an idiot for not using this product like how how do you how do you influence it to to become a tenth of what they're selling it for how do you influence that that? so so i'm not scared of someone like stealing this idea from me so Right now, that uses like its own. Um, it has its own little chips and stuff to have like. Prog- it's basically a computer, right? Mm-hmm. And then it uses that, and then just does like a, a weak little signal, right? You can use the computing power of a cell phone, and then just make it so Bluetooth. that it's yes. There you go. Done. Congratulations. I love it, man. <laughs> well, the good news is a lot of people don't know what the CES machine is, <laughs> yeah. and if you Google it, you get a lot of stuff for CES. So this is awesome, TJ. Yeah. And I see that happening. That's cool. Yeah. So. That's that's the first aspect. I like that. I like the EEG device, so the uh, electro and electroencephalograph, right, which reads the brain waves, right, 
you can you can tell which state. So if that selects a brainwave, the EEG will tell you which one you're at, just normal, right? I want that to be normal for the public to use to train the brain into getting into a deeper meditative enlightened state, okay? Like the same way that you would imagine just a little target, right? We call this neurofeedback. Imagine a little target. You move a mouse to click the target and you do that by getting into the necessary brain wave and you have feedback right then and there. You can even, it's so effective, you can even train a rat to do it or a cat to do it. So you automatically do it. So I want that to be normalized. Right now it costs $3,000 to $4,000 for an EEG. I want to release it for $300 to $400. And I also want it so that there are things like sleep pods. So I want you to imagine you're at the mall, you're walking, you're tired. You go to the sleep pod facility. You're able to just go in there. You go to sleep, take a small little 10, 15 minute nap, use the CES, use the EEG, do neurofeedback. It's just normal. It's like going to Starbucks. Um, right now, it's like people are so busy that they never, but in the future, especially with this young generation coming up, it will be very, very normal, very, very normal. It's like I a guess. crazy sci-fi movie. You go in there, and the next thing you know, you wake up like 100 years later, right? Like, oh, <laughs> right. It was overpowered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I want that available, and lastly, I'd like available just uh, a communication of language of like the developmental psychology like of human cognition, so I want that to be very normal for people to discuss oh, these different stages that exist. Oh, one person is at stage red, one person's stage blue, one person's at stage green, yellow, so on and so forth. It sounds uh, like you've thought about this a little bit. Yeah, man, I mean, these guys are yeah. clear, clear. So, these guys, the, serious goals. The, uh, the, the, the actual numer- numbers I want is that by five years, so by the time I'm, tw- I'm 24 now, by the time I'm 29, I've closed my eyes and I've opened my eyes, I want my company to be making... $100 million. I know that's like, whoa, but that's 100,000 people spending $1,000 on the product or 200,000 people spending $500 on the product. That's not that much at all. I mean, that's like that's like 0.1% of the population. That's nothing. So I think it's entirely possible. Absolutely. And I think that this young generation coming up, it will be a thing. So I want to bring up something we haven't talked about, and I think yeah. it's pretty important. Yeah. And two-part question. <laughs> okay. Perfect MCAT, right? <laughs> and then what goes on in your mind to go that far, that successful at it, right? And then you say, not that you're not successful or anything else, but like, I don't think there are a lot of people who even have the courage to act on the thought after they're that deep in one direction, right? <laughs> yeah. So like, I got to understand. Like, what Yeah, I mean, I mean, I went to the best school in the nation for medicine. I, I did, I put, if you look at my board, I put in, I had literally these 550 squares, and I would I would check off each square for each study hour of full intensity. Um, I would only study four hours a day, by the way, because that's the that's about the limit that the human brain has for like intense form of wow. studying like that. So I would check them off, and I was able to do it. To be very clear, I, I want to make this very clear: the perfect score was in the psychology section of the MCAT, not the entire thing. I. Oh. I I still got like above the 85th percentile and like 90th percentile for everything else. But I just want to... Still perfect yeah. in our books, bro. So there were several things. One, as I mentioned before, I listened to my higher self no matter what. Was I upset to find out, to realize that, yes, after all of these things that I'm listening, I have enough data to know that the proper move is for me to move away from medicine after like... I've been, I was able to go to any school in the nation, like Harvard and Cornell and Princeton and Hopkins and all of these for medicine but okay so one 
one. At perfect score in the psychology section, that tells me that, okay, I'm actually, like, incredibly good at that. Like, that's something that I should double down on. I'm, I'm incredibly good at the other stuff. Like, you know, 98%, I was, like, pretty good. But, like, I'm, like, Very okay, good. I'm baller on that, you know? And I have the, the stats to back that up. It's not me being cocky. I'm just good at that. So double down on your strengths, right? Play to your strengths in business. Play to your weaknesses in relationships. Ooh, um, that's pretty good. That's a quote right there. Then I realized that, okay, Peter Ralston, he had wanted to become a doctor. Then he switched into working on consciousness. Ken Wilbur wanted to be a doctor, then switched to working on consciousness. Um, Brad Warner, this other guy that I studied, he lives here in Los Angeles. He also wanted to go to grad school, but then he ended up going to work on consciousness. Doshin Roshi, he did another form of grad school, but he decided to work on consciousness. Um, and I was like, okay, all these guys I look up to, it's like they all left for some reason. Next thing that happened, I shadowed a neurosurgeon for a couple of weeks. He said, man, this is like, you're doing an amazing job. Like, I mean, it was just, it was simple. Just follow him and like, I would just examine everything he was talking about. <laughs> I, would, I would examine everything he's talking about and like give him ideas and stuff. And he pulled me to the side and he said, he said look, PJ, like, your mind is built to create new things. Like, you are very, very innovative, and what goes on within medicine, what goes on within surgery is you have to learn rote practices, and if you are going to make changes, it's going to have to be small changes. You're, you're not going to, it wouldn't, he literally put it this way, he said, it would not be the most beneficial thing for the world if you continue doing this with your mind, and so there was that, so it was <laughs> making the switch. Right, that's heavy, but yeah. amazing. Also, I, I took down a note earlier because um, knowing enough about you and having conversations, right, yeah. knowing where your thought goes, I'm fascinated by it, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. But in the very beginning of this talk, you yeah. brought up, like, narcissism. Yeah. And you said, you know, I was total narc. Now, that word in itself, I think, is misused, misunderstood. It like, is. people don't people need really get, like, what it is or when it becomes unhealthy, I guess. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, like, I don't know, break it down. What, what is narcissism to it, you and, like, or the or the real definition here's 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 narcissism versus like a healthy self-love my original instagram photos were only about me and my life were specifically not beneficial to other people and they were to demonstrate how i was better compared to other people that was my that was the like because i was in a weakened place right so that's narcissism you need to love yourself let me be very clear but it's when you are trying to make it so that it separates you from other people separates you from the love you have from other people right right so yeah. like american psycho right like he's a narcissist yeah he's a narcissist like, right and it's like well but t but and i already hear it right now someone's scrolling through instagram but tj like you just posted a photo of yourself basically half naked on your instagram like what the heck i okay. think that's full naked like but. yeah full naked right um i reported you every single thing that i do now on my instagram is entirely dedicated to entertaining people educating people or impacting people everything that you see on the vlog is education entertainment impact as we got i got it from andrew Fisella. i was gonna say like, like i i totally heard that much love to him he's got some awesome yeah, thoughts that, fundamentals philosophies whatever you want to call yeah. it but when i put photos myself it's literally just so that because i know how, how humans work you know and they need some type of bells and whistles so that they like pay attention so i know that a photo like that the person goes like oh wait a minute like he's doing pretty all right with his like body like maybe i should like you know like at least stop and like pay attention like you know like what is this photo i've never seen this type of thing um i could care less about like 
documenting my life for me, um, I care most and I care only about making about this end goal, this North Star of stuff that will help raise the consciousness of the public. That's all I care about. Because I look out at everybody, I look out at everything, and that's just, that is, it's so weird, okay? I look out at everything, and I see everything as literally me. So the former narcissism was believing I was something that existed between my ears, behind my eyes, and that that thing, right, whatever that was, was somehow better than everybody else, right? Now I look at everybody else, and I see that as a very literal, existential, physical extension of myself that I love. When I look at you guys in the eyes, and I say I love you, like, I love you. Like, that's not... That's not a joke. And so I act to make it so that your life is better because I literally see you as me. That's cool, man. So. Well, I'll tell you, that's, uh, I mean, this, this detailed explanation, breakdown, and paradigm of how you see things, so many can relate, and I'm sure many um, want to learn more and, and, and need to learn more <laughs> because it, it is deep. It, it is definitely um, way beyond just the surface, but um, schooling us on pretty much you don't know what you don't know, uh, collective consciousness? Yeah, collective, How about collective unconscious? That's a great way to put it, right? That's, I love that, I love that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, although, I mean, that's a great point. Could there be a collective unconscious? It's both, it's yes and no, so it's, well, I, of course, because there's all stuff that, there's stuff that we as a collective don't know, so of course there's, um, collective conscious, I mean, there's also like, how the public relates to itself. And then the collective consciousness is also like, when I come up with an idea, it's partly because it, I got that idea from like everybody else at the same time. So that's cool, man. Yeah, but as you, but yes, collective consciousness is a very important thing. So uh, is, is there a book uh, coming out soon by TJ Reeves? I mean, are, are you, or have you already written one that we don't know about? I've written, if I were to count the number of pages, I've written just total, right? I would say it would be somewhere along the lines of like, 600 pages single spaced on Microsoft Word, right? So the answer but is that yes. was But that, w that ended up, that was for a total of a 200 page document outlining I my ideas. So some of your work in, uh, I guess, quoted or, or, or noted with John Hopkins research work? No, 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 just okay. on my own and my own philosophies and stuff. But uh, as I stated earlier, I was like, you know, one of the most important things that you can do is just write to be very clear with your ideas. So it's like, is it a book? Is it just me sorting myself out? It's like, it's kind of both. Um, I, I don't expect to release a book anytime soon. I want to like actually build what I want to build first more so that people are just sitting around going like, who's this guy here? He's some random, there's too many people with that. These cool, days, but one day. Cool. I'm definitely about taking people's advice or people who've accomplished things that I'd like to do, <laughs> right? And seeing what they say and looking at it and, and doing it. I think that, uh, uh, so I'm curious what you think of this. I knew a guy created uh, like a director mm -hmm. and he was looking for a way to tap into his own thinking or to alter the way he thought or saw things. So yes. he literally started doing everything with his left hand <laughs> to, to, I guess, stimulate different parts of your brain yeah. and stuff like that. Do things like that really work in changing your whole brain way yeah. by something as simple as who, that? Who, who is that, by the way? Who did that? Um, I, I love that, man. That was, I, I met him through this, like, photo shoot that a friend worked with at this company. It was, like, his cousin. He's so a director. No, you won't know him. Well, I, I could probably find him on Instagram or something. I haven't talked to him in a long time. But when 
something you said made me think of like when that happened i was like so physically like i'm a big believer that your physical posture will change your mental posture yeah and vice versa yeah. It's like part of what we were talking about the other day, why I suited up, why I did these things. Because yeah. physically my posture, it's like all this this whole like setup and you then you go into that way of thinking and persona. Yeah. But anyway, to something as simple as that, right? You like normally do it with your right hand, you say I'm gonna do it with my left, it's gonna literally change the way your brain fires and Absolutely. Let me let me let me be very clear with that. Yes, absolutely. It does help things out. People um, I hear them get into creative blocks and things like that. I never get into creative blocks, and I have to make a video every single day with Tyler, right? And I, I go home, and I still make videos for my own stuff, my own channel. Like, my entertainment is just making more videos. Um, limitations are freeing, not limiting. Like, that's the, like, that, like, if you, like, change everything and be like, okay, if you place this, th th you, if you, a self-imposed limitation, right? that is actually very entertaining and it causes you to think laterally and come up with new things. When it's done in an athletic format, it's called a game. Like, why, like we, have, we have unbelievably um, sensitive hands, right? You know, if I were to map it out, you know, a hand would be represented, like my hands would be as big as the table in terms, like compared to the feet, like compared to my body, okay? In, in terms of like sensation, right? But I still play soccer, which I don't use my hands. Like, why? Because that that self-imposed limitation causes me to think of new solutions that I never would have seen before, right? So you can apply that to arts. If you are stuck as an artist, give yourself a challenge. Today, I will only make a video out of every single shot has to be only five seconds. That's it. Every single shot. Um, today... I will go out and I'll cook something, but the only ingredients I'm allowed to use are things that look red. They must be the color red. You're gonna come up with something that no one's ever seen before. You know, if people get upset when they find limitations, but like that's this, that right there, that's the good stuff right there. So yes, absolutely. Um, would changing your your hand to just using your left, you know, create new things? Absolutely, because there's gonna, there's gonna be things that come up that you're gonna have to just think laterally. And I would, I would place as, like, that applies so much that, like, I would literally say that life itself is a, is a really fun limitation, right, placed on a completely infinite being. Like, I don't know what you want to call it. Do you want to call it capital N nothing or God or you want to call it Allah? I don't care what you want to call it, right? But, like, where would it look like when you have a form of, like, self-imposed limitations to come up with new ideas and create change and experience the greatness that is, you know, life, the game of life. So, TJ, I want to take it just a different direction. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I want to ask you, what would be your words of wisdom to the young 24-year-old that, um, like many younger millennials, might not have found what it is they want to do and are lost? And some of them have, like, paralysis and aren't doing anything. Yeah. What would be your words to those individuals being in that age group but intellectually so much more advanced? Uh, so first off, let me be very clear. I, I know what the issue, I literally, I'm very, very sure this is what the issue is. I don't want to say I know it, but like, let's just say this is the issue. Right? You know it. So <laughs> a lot of us growing up, right, we, we see that we have, a, we have a society that's really almost never existed before. We have, first off, many different races, right? There's like a, a minority majority now mm -hmm. in many places, okay? Mm -hmm. Then we have many different religions. Then we have different genders coming up or mm -hmm. different rights and stuff like that and different 
things, and we have all the wars and histories of the world, right? Now, what I submit to you is that we live in a society where it feels very wrong to say that anybody is absolutely right about anything, that there's anything that's absolutely right. Because it's like, if you say that, you're just being an ideologue, right? So it's like, how dare you say that, you know? Like, how dare you say someone is actually wrong about something? And, you know, we look at politicians and, like, you have people on the left and people on the right and they have their fights. And so it's like, well, none of them are right and none of the religions are right. No, it seems like no one's right. Nothing's right. So then they, like, pause themselves because it seems like there is no answer just because it's that everybody's disagreeing. Look, just because everybody's disagreeing doesn't mean that there's no such thing as what would be right. So what would I submit to someone who's, like, stuck? I don't care what age, right, because it happens to everybody, okay? The average person goes through six, six depressions. Let me be very clear. I don't know. I don't know why more people don't talk about the statistic, that statistic. Like people see depression as this crazy thing. The average person goes through six depressions. Okay, if they're normal and, and developing normally. Now, we all know what it's like to suffer. So I like I hear I get I get young men, college age young men that I talk to and have these debates with all the time, and they're nihilists and they don't believe in. God, they don't believe in anything. They don't believe in any in any truth whatsoever, and they think that everything is meaningless. And yet, those same fools, I submit to them, you know what it's like to suffer. What is suffering? It's that unnecessary pain. We all understand it. I don't care what culture you're from. I don't care what race you're from. I don't care how old you are. I don't care your gender. I don't care any of it. Of, of it. Throughout all of history, all of time, man has suffered. So look at your own suffering, and you know that that's absolutely true. No one can deny suffering. You cannot deny it. I can deny colors. I can be colorblind and deny colors, but I cannot deny suffering. So look at that, and you know that there are, there are ways to end that suffering and start taking actions now. Take responsibility for your life now to take the actions that take you away from suffering. And once you've cleaned up your own life, okay, look around you. Put on that mask for yourself, then look around you and see how you can help relieve the suffering of those you love and care for and if you're telling me that you don't love and care like if you're telling me like why should I do this like well you don't you clearly don't love and care for them you know the definition of love and care is that you're going to help thriving and and the, and relieve the suffering of that person and then you can extend outwards even more than that and outwards and outwards and outwards to eventually all conscious creatures but for now I would say clean your life up and understand your suffering and start doing the things now that end that you can clean your room you can uh, write down what you want. You can write down what's important to you. Start doing that. That's it right there. You heard it from TJ Reeves, Thomas J. Mr. Reeves, thank you so much for spending time with us in the All Mindset Studio with our man, the People's Advisor. Again, this is such a, a deeper, more extensive conversation that can go on. And you've got a lot of questions probably flowing out there from our <laughs> listeners that picked this one up. And I know that they're going to hit you up to, to just dig deeper and I'm also looking forward to a continuation of maybe a part two of the All Mindset Podcast with TJ Reeves. The People's Advisor. Man, I'm Mr. speechless. Reeves. I am speechless. Partially maybe because of the wavelengths I came into this meeting at. <laughs> it is getting hot up in this room and he just brain dumped an amazing pot of gold on us. So thanks That's so much. It, man. Thank, Thank you, you so to much. our Zen Master kicking it with us today in the studio, TJ. Be safe out there. Thanks Thank for you. all the impact you have on people.